All right, beginning of the week, end of the month already. Expats, expatriate, job shifts and maneuverings. Why move to the big city anyway? Is the current foreigner in China able to adapt? Is that the question? Newsletters out on Substack. Multiple entry visas issued before March whatever 2020. Uh, still not valid. And DaVinci Resolve. Well, if you're looking for a video editor um, on your iPad, I think I found one for you. Folks, it is Monday, February 27th, 2023. I'm Steven Sersky, and uh, it's been... Well, it hasn't... It, I, have, I think I finally had a weekend. Yes, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I haven't worked. Uh, now, <laughs> on all of those days, uh, well, Saturday, Monday at least, I was asked to work, but I missed the phone call. So I missed the uh, the email, uh, I think on Friday night, uh, I left you guys hanging like, ooh, will I work on Saturday? And it turns out that uh, I didn't. Uh, I did not get a confirmation email for uh, uh, Saturday's shift. I did get an email and I I get a, I got a phone call from someone today. I hung up though because I'm a, I'm kind of a little bit in a dispute with my landlord at the moment. I'll explain. It's not a dispute. It's um I'm upset. I'm not happy with how she's treating uh, the access to cash that she has when rent is due. Uh, but uh, so I hung up the phone when the phone number came in because I was like I don't want to deal with this right now. Uh, I was basically in the middle of a workout. Turns out it was actually a work call asking if I was available, and I was uh, I was working out anyway, so. I didn't really want to uh, interrupt that anyway. So, but um, yeah, so I did have a weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That's the first time in a long time. My apologies on Friday night, I actually uploaded the wrong MP3 file to anchor.fm. Shout out to Ben for pointing that out. Uh, now, which Ben? Well, the Ben that listens to this podcast, because like literally half the office is named Ben, or at least it was. There were a lot of uh, British Bens. Uh, when I first uh, came to, uh, when I first, when I returned to China the second time, basically. Uh, but uh, anyway, so thanks, Ben, for pointing that out. I appreciate it. Uh, I did uh, upload the new MP3 file on Saturday evening. So if you haven't had a chance to uh, have a listen, uh, Friday's episode is correct now. Um, all that being said, end of February, and <laughs> two months into 2023 already. Can you believe it? Uh, and I'm looking, actually, I'm a little bit disappointed that it's the end of month already. Uh, we have been super busy, and I haven't had time to think of recording another podcast. And I'm looking at the, the dates here, and I've been pretty good since, well, July I recorded one, August I didn't, September I did two, October I did one, November one, December, January. Did I do one in October? I can't remember. Anyway, I can see the last uh, the last few. So December and January uh, are already up. So I didn't get anything recorded in February. <sighs> it's tough when you only have a couple, like one or two days off per week. It gets tough to even schedule things to do during that time because if you're busy all of that time beforehand, you have to think of what you need to do to schedule stuff ahead of time when you're busy, right? Um, so hence the other reason why never did get to go to Harbin and I think the uh, snow and ice festival is over now they're going to shut those gates I think it's February 28th it shuts down um, which would sort of almost coincide with the uh, long tai toll uh, when the dragon raises its head I guess that's sort of the indication that things are going to get warmer spring is here and 
maybe don't be standing on frozen rivers too much anymore, right? Uh, it's still going to be cold in Harbin, of course, but uh, the, the weather changes pretty quickly in China, I'll tell you. It's, it's a very short spring, uh, very short autumn as well, and it goes from being nice to the other, other side of the scale completely. Are we in, we're not in sweater weather just yet, but uh, we're, we're getting close. Um, so there's expats, expatriates. So a little bit surprised, actually. A few other people are leaving, and there's one or two other people changing jobs uh, that uh, almost it basically coincides with the end of coronavirus. The safety trade is over. Basically, if you were hanging on to your job because you're like, well, I don't know what the situation's like, you know, um, especially if you were in China, that was basically what was happening was that a lot of people were sort of holding on to the job because that's what it was. Like, that, that's what I have. I don't want to take the risk to move. And it just doesn't make sense to um, jump ship if I don't have to, right? There might be other ships in the water, but I can't see them or I can see them. But I'm not sure if those waters are very safe. I don't really want to talk about jumping ship with it. I can't walk across the yard. Is that, <laughs> is that safer to say? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, but it seems that uh, a lot of people are sort of moving around. Uh, I mentioned this, was it last week or a couple weeks ago, that there is sort of a, a change of the old guard. Uh, I've seen this other guy talk about it on Twitter a little bit, wherein it seems that the people that were here for so many years are now... If they're not gone, they're in the process of leaving. But now what I'm seeing is that the people who've been here for the shorter duration, who survived coronavirus, uh, and like maybe just a bit longer, like four or five years, those people are starting to uh, to leave as well. So, which is, I guess that's pretty normal for an expat turnover rate. Whereas if you think, if you make it one year, one year is a decent vacation in the country, even if you have a job. Um, three years, yeah, okay, you're starting to understand a little bit more about the culture and stuff. Five years, you've seen probably a lot of what you're going to, there's not going to be too much after five. Uh, ten years, you're kind of like, you, you probably don't go out very much anymore. Kind of like me. I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm the exception. I, I haven't been going out very much at all. And coronavirus really did just sort of put, make a lot of people stay at home, basically, right? Uh, but how would you, how would you feel? Uh, a lot of people in Canada that I know and a lot of people who know that I live in Canada sorry that I live in China that they have never lived in big cities right like and we're talking by big city I mean like 21 million people what would it be like to go back to a city where it's not 21 million not where it's like under a million where it's under the where it's under a hundred thousand people I mean, I've been to to farming towns before, you know, 30,000, 40,000, 10,000 people. You're going, wow, it's so open and it's so quiet. And people live here. They have, like, they have fast food restaurants and fast food chains, you know, internet connection, which I don't mean to make them out to be, like, sort of completely backwards. What I'm saying is that, Making that jump from a massive city where you can get your delivery within half a day to moving to a place where it should come within the next 10 days, uh, but you can still have your internet, you can ha- you can see the stars at night, lots of them, uh, the city shuts down at 7, maybe 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, I don't know, somewhere around there, uh, like it actually shuts down, um, how would you deal with it? 
this is also something that I've wondered that if, if, you know, international marriage happens, how to, as an expat in China, as a white guy in China, is it easier to integrate as a foreigner rather than someone who is coming from China or from another part of the world into, for example, Canada? Or if you both become international expats, like how how does each person sort of deal with that? This this question has been on my mind because, you know, hitting the eight, nine, ten year mark of being in China um, is one of these things you kind of start thinking about. Is it long term? Is it, you know, is China a base of operations where you can travel and come back to? Because let's put it this way, if you are if China is your base of operations, but you are, even if you're married, but if you're not married, you don't have a residence. All you have is a rental contract and a job contract. Your entrance to the country depends on the legibility of a sticker in your passport. And if you lose that, if you lose the passport or you that damage that, that sticker... It doesn't matter about the rental contract. It doesn't matter about the job contract. Doesn't matter about your significant other. Oh, baby boo, who misses you? It, it, you're not coming back in. So how good of a base of operations is that, right? <laughs> kind of terrible, actually. I mean, <laughs> and when you put it that way, you're like, hmm, that's not a good idea. Now is it at all? <laughs> Why move to these big cities? Why go to these places like Beijing, Shanghai? And I, I don't know. Is this has COVID, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was on one of these episodes with Omar, uh, the Egyptian guy, uh, who was talking about uh, Arabic and how he's been in China for a while. Uh, he was talking about how there has been a shift of uh, the type of foreigner that I think China is looking to employ. And I think we all sort of felt it, especially once the, the English, the ESL market was sorry, the education market, the private education tutoring industry was crushed to within an inch of its life, basically. Since then, it's sort of been an indication that we're not just going to take, or at least if you're just some sort of backpacking ESL teacher, yeah, go home. <laughs> go, you, you don't have to go home, but, uh, you know, maybe your skill set, thank you for your service, but I think we need to sort of change our focus at the moment. And I think that a lot of people felt that sort of push in the country, push within China, that uh, you couldn't, it wasn't the free wild west anymore. Things are going to become a little bit more order, ordered, a little more structure, uh, structured, uh, organized as well. Uh, and it wasn't going to necessarily mean that just because you were a native English speaker, you were going to be able to find a um, a job teaching English in the country as easily as it was before. Now you can because no one's here because they all left. <laughs> but this this actually has me wonder because you know obviously I still have colleagues. I have expat co colleagues who are expats. I I know people who are not colleagues who work in other industries. And they're still here. So we've all sort of survived the coronavirus uh, uh, debacle, the coronavirus shutdown. We're still here. Now, for various reasons, many of the guys who stayed, guys, many of the guys who stayed are married, usually with children. So the, the ones who aren't married with children usually didn't have anywhere else to go. Um, 
or maybe they had a girlfriend or something. But it was also, again, goes back to the, we just had a job. It was working. Why change anything when, especially six months ago, seven months ago, it was still kind of crazy. Uh, you just didn't know exactly if there was how much longer the coronavirus thing could go on. And then all of a sudden it all changed, right? Now, I have heard from other, like the people that have left and also talking to some people uh, back home that um, the job market and inflation is huge, of course. The big word is inflation, inflation, inflation. But then also um, that the the job market, although there are jobs, they're not they're not readily available, I guess. Like I, I, I don't know because I'm not really looking for a job outside of China. I've only heard that the job market out there, although there are jobs, are they the jobs that you want? Are they the jobs that are paying you enough? Uh, are, you, are they commensurate with your skills? And I know if some business guys are going to listen to this, uh, maybe, uh, they're going to be like, well, you know, you got to suck it up. You know, you're, you're getting paid what you're worth. And I go, well, I mean, that goes then again it's like well then why would you stay there if you and if you're smart enough and you're willing enough to move locations why would you stay in a place that you would get paid less than what either you think you're worth or that the market actually offers in different parts of the world and china used to be that for the esl industry it still kind of is a, a big pull for the esl market uh south korea's coming back japan's coming back uh taiwan for sure southeast asia uh, lots of places like Vietnam is often talking about talked about uh, as being the next big sort of um, if you want to be a backpacking ESL teacher head there you can find a job basically but again I'm not looking for jobs out, uh, outside of China at the moment uh, although with my current issue with the the landlord maybe that will change <laughs> all right but has the foreigner been able to adapt Right, so I look at myself doing some podcasts. A lot of the people I, I see who are here um, are doing stuff, right? So they are uh, they're part of comedy clubs. They're they're uh, writing. They're publishing stuff like that. Could they continue this if they left China? That's always a big question mark. Would they want to? Does China just simply offer that ability to allow that adaptation to take place? And it, then the other question is, like, is that what China's trying to test us on? How resilient are we in the face of this adversity, of this sort of this test of, well, you came here to be an English teacher. Now we don't need that. What are you going to do next? And you only have a temporary visa. What are you going to do? <laughs> challenge accepted. Now that coronavirus is over. Is that challenge still being accepted? Or is it like, ah, I'm done with this. On to the next. Ah. What do you think in your circles? Newsletters out on Substack. Finally got uh, uh, Sirsky's word out. Steve Sirsky uh, newsletter out. I don't know. Sirsky's word or good is newsletter name? I guess so. I've been thinking of it for a while. Uh, this is this is my attempt at being a little bit creative with the, the output instead of saying the, the newsletter of Steven Sirsky or Steven Sirsky's newsletter uh, or the newsletter of a working traveler. Um, something along the... I had to come up with really long names, which is usually an homage an ode to the names of the titles of books and articles that were published many, many, many years ago. Like, on the origin of species. Would you get away with that these days? No, it'd be like Evolution 101. <laughs> that would be your, your title these days. 
the I guess the the Latin works were like on orations on categories that Aristotle was kind of like that's Greek of course um, but he was a little bit concise more concise the Latin titles were very concise uh, but at some point like during um, medieval times the Renaissance and then even like 17th 18th centuries they just had some really long titled names an exploration of the long-windedness of the the sparrow the sparrow flying through Britain you know, something like that. I don't know. Making that up, don't hold that to me. What is the air? What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? An an expert an expose on the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Book one. <laughs> something along those lines. Anyway, that's a Monty Python joke. If you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube. Funny show, funny movies. Uh, but yeah, both newsletters are out. Uh, I got my language uh, vlog, my language newsletter out as well. Talks about uh, how long it takes to learn a foreign language and the different scales that are used uh, in the uh, the language teaching, language education industry, uh, ranging from the uh, European system, the A1, 2, B1, 2, C1, 2, uh, the IELTS band descriptors, like so IELTS and TOEFL, uh, and then also um, the U.S. Uh, foreign institutes, foreign service institutes, uh, for categories of language as well. So you can find that on Stevens Language Vlog. Substack. Com, where that one is. Sersky's word is stevensersky.substack.com. And of course, these um, the, my, the Steven Sersky uh, newsletter is linked to my website. The language vlog you'd have to go search for. <laughs> I haven't uh, set that up properly just yet. Debating whether or not I want to directly connect it to my main website or maybe uh, have it sort of just off on the side, only on Substack or something along those lines. Multiple entry issues, uh, entry visas issued before March 2020 are still on hold. And this is important because uh, I know some people who have these videos, notably my mother, uh, not videos, sorry, these, these visas. And in this week's newsletter, I was sort of debating like, you know, what if I offered someone to, you know, I'd pay for their ticket to come to China and at a very generous offer, but it would save me the trip. Number one, number two, I can get them to bring stuff for me from Canada that I can't readily get here in China. Number three, uh, there can finally, we can, I can see some of my family that I haven't seen in four years again, for almost five years, basically. Um, now I am still sort of entertaining, very kind of kindly entertaining the idea of going back to Canada for a couple of weeks this summer. Um, I'm going to have to talk about that another time because it's. I don't know if I just want to go straight back or if there's some other stuff I can work in uh, that whole thing, and whether or not like it's going to be how busy it's going to be. Like how, what kind of maneuvering do I have to do uh, on work with work in order to make it all work? Uh, so that's uh, something I've got to sort of figure out. The offer to come over to China, though, which is basically not for anybody else except for my mother. <laughs> don't try to don't email me and big Steve. I'll take that offer, uh, buddy. <laughs> maybe, uh, but um, all those visas that are uh, that were issued prior to that. So if they do need to come here, they have to apply for a new visa, exclusive of the one that they already have. Now, I don't know. If China will eventually reinstate those visas, the, I did see one article today that said that uh, the 
it, it, they're planning to, of course, but that these visas, these multiple entry visas, were mostly tourist visas, and that's why they were in no rush to uh, grant them a return privilege, or re- the ability to return uh, into the country. Anyway, not a big deal for most people. Most of us who live here don't need another multiple entry visa. We have our work permits, which uh, covers that. Uh, And the people who are coming back now are usually working here or have a job here or have some sort of business. And all of those are okay to come back, uh, multiple entries and and whatnot. So those are all open once again. Last little thing here, DaVinci Resolve. Uh, I know there are only a few people who actually edit video um, or are interested in how to do it. But if you have have a, a, a newer iPad Pro for the last two or three years check out the program DaVinci Resolve. No doubt you've heard of uh, iMovie or even Final Cut Pro. And like Final Cut Pro costs $300 and $300 US dollars. And you probably don't want to spend that much. I use it. I I bought it. Uh, But DaVinci is free. You can download the free version on your, your computer as well, but you can only export up to 1080p. They have now released a free version on the iPad. And when you download it, you're going to be like, WTF, how do I do this? Well, there is a web, uh, there's a, uh, a video that you're going to have to take a look at called Get Full DaVinci Resolve on iPad Hack, Not Clickbait. And it's by Michael Tobin. He goes through how you can set keyboard shortcuts to reveal the hidden pages in the iPad program, which means when you download because when you download the iPad version you're only going to get two screens it's going to be the timeline uh, and it's going to be the color editing that's it and it's going to frustrate you because you're like how do I zoom in how do I make a cut you can enable the edit timeline by going into the shortcuts uh, feature and shortcuts box and setting a shortcut for it then pressing that shortcut and the edit timeline will appear the whole program is on the iPad the whole thing they just didn't reveal it because they're still trying to optimize it for the iPad. Apparently, it's all there. It's all free. Download the thing. But in seeing this, I'm now going, it, it is basically worth $100 to spend to have something like this on my iPad just in case I need to do some cutting. So I spend another hour, hour and a half trying to figure out how to use all these things and stuff like that, finding all the little hidden buttons. I mean, I don't really want to learn how to use it, but... Uh, Enough people talk about it. It's now on my iPad. It's better than iMovie. Far better than iMovie. And it again, it's on my iPad, so I don't have to sit at my computer all the time. I can actually do this while reclining or going somewhere else without carrying my entire uh, system with me, which is just fantastic. I'm not going to lie. Hopefully, well, actually, this still won't really help me very much because the one thing that really slows me down is I need a transcript of what are some of the things that are said which can then be easily scanned, and then I can pick out when these things happen, which would make my life so much easier, and I will get to it. Folks, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Show notes and tracks up on my website, stevensersky.com. Hope you have a, a great start of week and a good end of month. we got 10 more to go until we do it again. Folks, thanks for listening. Have a good one. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.